Greetings, Star Wars fans. This is Andrew from Coruscant Radio Underground. You're listening to the Scarif Scuttlebutt Podcast. Remember, the Force will be with you, always. This podcast is part of the Red 5 Network. For more Red 5 Network podcasts, visit red5network.com. Right, let's see what we have here. A little flyover here. Let's come around, Red 5. I've got different coordinates than what our comm says. That can't be. Got the chatter, pilots. We've got a mission to. What was that? Red 5, Red 5. Come around to point 02 and stabilize. Uh, Red 5? Stand by. I got a little trouble here. Whoa. That was close. I see them. TIE Fighters! You've been spotted. R7, we've got a rear junction relay giving me the flak back there. Yeah, yeah, I see that. Hang on to something, everyone. This is Red 5 Mission. Hey, everybody. Thank you very much again for tuning in to the Scare of Scuttlebutt podcast. We've got a special, special show for you tonight. Uh, we're very excited. Brad and I are very excited to start this series, and uh, we'll uh, tell you a little bit about that. But uh, tonight is a special night. Not only are we hanging out with our Red 5 Network brothers, the Force Losers. Give them a follow, by the way. But uh, we've been talking about this network, the Red 5 Network's Red Missions, for a while and uh, to be honest, it's uh, quite a task to try and organize more than 23 pods and people behind the membership of our wonderful and glorious Red 5 Network. I'm adding a, an echo to that. Uh, how did it sound, Brad? You like that? It was fantastic. Excellent, excellent. So uh, let's explain a little bit about what these uh, Red 5 missions are. And uh, like I said, tonight's Scare of Scuttlebutt podcast episode will be the first of our Red 5 mission series that will span all across the network. And uh, let's explain, Brad. Yeah, people, you know, some of our longtime listeners may remember a series we did last year, The Legacy of Leia. And uh, Ro and I had this idea, hey, you know, what makes, you know, what, what makes the podcast even better? And that's doing crossovers with other podcasts. So we started this uh, idea actually last year. And when we did a crossover show with uh, Andrew and Marisha of the Coruscant Radio Underground. Uh, but this, uh, these Red 5 missions, uh, this is going to take it to the next level. And it's going to be all across the Red 5 network. And it really is going to be massive. That is absolutely right, Brad. And uh, someone once said, go big or go home. And Red 5 missions is doing just that. So look at this, Brad. We've taken several topics that our network members and followers of Red 5 are interested in hearing about and teaming up with our brothers and sisters of the Red 5 Network to bring you the best discussions out there on these topics. But that's not where it ends, is it, Brad? No, no, not at all. Uh, I mentioned our mega crossover that we did with Andrew and Marisha, and that was a two-parter. The first part was dropped here on the Scarif Scuttlebutt, uh, and the second part, uh, that, that part, that discussion was taken care of by the Coruscant Radio Underground. 
Uh, and it's uh, truly a team effort that allows our listeners an opportunity uh, to get to, get to know the other members of the Red 5 Network a little bit better. Absolutely. We are uh, so proud of everybody in uh, all the squadrons, uh, especially now that we've started Blue Squadron, uh, Blue Squadron, excuse me, and the membership continues to grow. It is fantastic. We want everybody to get an opportunity to meet folks, not only from our main squadron, the Red Squadron, but our lovely friends of Gold Squadron and the newly formed Blue Squadron. Yeah, so just to remind folks and those who may have not heard, uh, we've got Rogue One Radio and Wookiee Radio in Blue Squadron. Uh, you know, I can't wait to join them on, on the show soon right here on the Scare of Scuttlebutt podcast. That is fantastic. And uh, so let's uh, let's start out the show now that we've explained what Red 5 Missions is. And uh, we're very excited to have these guys uh, on the Scare of uh, Scuttlebutt podcast, at least part one. Uh, Kevin Brad from the Force Losers podcast. Guys, how's it going, man? It's going amazingly. How are you guys holding up? Fantastic. Sick. Uh, yeah, man. Thanks for having us on. Um, we're uh, we're both honored and slightly intimidated by having to kick off the Red Five missions. Not uh, at all. Well, you know, uh, I, we appreciate you guys inviting the Smelly Kid in class over. We're going to try to not stink the joint up too much. You know what I mean? You shouldn't awesome. talk about Brad like that. That ain't, that ain't right. <laughs> I know. <laughs> uh, I, always, I always feel like, you know, we pair up with you guys, and it's just like the 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 the, the bigger brother, and like we're the little one that's like all scrappy. we got a black eye and missing a couple of teeth, and we're just like, let's keep going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the, term, uh, the term punching above our weight class comes to mind, but, you know, we can hang. Yeah, definitely. I got uh, I got my adult beverage here. We uh, we got our Scare Scuttlebutt T-shirt. Uh, friends don't let friends fly X-wings, and uh, we uh, are ready to go. We are very excited to start the Red Five missions here with you guys. And um, it, you know, it, it's uh, in the short period of time that we've uh, kind of teased tonight's recording session. Tonight we are recording uh, Sunday night. And uh, this episode drops, uh, if you're listening to it, it is Thursday for you, or uh, hopefully you'll, you're, you're listening, it to, uh, listen, listening to it on Thursday. But um, yeah, the, it's, uh, it's very exciting. We, uh, we can't wait. This is kind of a monumental thing. It's, it's been a couple of weeks in the making, and yeah. uh, I really can't wait to uh, have everybody kind of do their own thing and record um, these crossover episodes across the Red 5 Network. It's very exciting. Yeah, man. I mean, like just the, the potential here for, you know, people to gain exposure to other shows. And then on top of that, you know, like we get we're going to get pairings that haven't been done before. So you're going to get a whole large variety of conversations, um, which is, you know, at, in a sense, it's what the whole thing's about. Right. Like having a bunch of different uh, meeting of the minds and creative people kind of getting together and and sharing all that stuff. I mean, it's 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 like emblematic of what this network is supposed to be. I am super stoked, super excited, and uh, I could not have said it better myself. Thank you very much, Kev. That is awesome. You're welcome. I try. Always do. There are no more, no less. So let's uh, let's get into this topic. You know, uh, we uh, started to really brainstorm and, and try to figure out what we can talk about. You know, Star Wars has been around for quite some time, and there's uh, there doesn't seem to be uh you know a lack of of topics to to discuss um you know 
I, I don't think, you know, if you're going to start a Star Wars podcast, becoming intimidated by starting one is probably not a, a good thing because I don't know how many Star Wars podcasts there are. Uh, and uh, we've got uh, quite a few within our network, but it's uh, it's really fun. It's really fun to talk about. But uh, this topic in particular is uh, we're going to get really deep and, and very uh, we're going to shine a light on, on something that uh, we've been talking about Uh uh, Kev or uh, Brad, what? Uh, l- let's tell everybody what the topic is, and then we'll dive right into it. So tonight's topic is, um, it's, you know, there's always been a big to do about um, the Jedi and their relationship to the Senate and the Republic, and whether or not that was to their benefit, if that was the right way to go about it. Um, and so we're going to dig into that tonight. We're going to dig into was that. Uh, the best decision for the Jedi to become that embroiled in the Senate and, and, and the new Republic at, or the Republic as an entity or, um, you know, and then m- moreover, we're going to move on to talking about, you know, with, with Ray and her Jedi order, what role do the Jedi play in the new Republic? If any, it's uh, fascinating stuff. And uh, I, you know, I know the prequels uh, get a lot of flack and they're very different star Wars films than the original trilogy. I mean, people give it uh, crap for being too political, but I actually love that. And I know Brad and I, we talk about that a lot uh, during some of our deep dives and it's just, you know, it's fascinating stuff. And I know, you know, the, the politics of star Wars, you know, kind of gets muddled with real world politics. Uh, but we always want to try to, you know, kind of, uh, I don't know, uh, crisscross the two, um, but the politics in Star Wars is, is a very different animal, um, and I think, you know, we're really going to get into it. I, I know, Brad, you, you had some opportunities to do a little bit of research regarding uh, the Jedi and the Senate, especially in the prequel uh, trilogy, because really that's where George kind of introduced a lot of this stuff. Um, but um, I, I actually love that. How do you guys feel uh, about uh, the politics in, in the prequels? I'll, I'm going to start with uh, my partner in crime here, Brad, because uh, I know you've got a lot of uh, things on your mind when it comes to politics lately. Uh, I don't think you said the butt to my scuttle. So if you could just call me your butt and, you know, he can be Brad and I'll be your butt and, and, and that'll be fine. Uh, but, yeah, obviously, you know, uh, politics is you, you can't you can't escape it right now, as you said, especially with the election coming up and everything. But, uh, you know, when we watch the original trilogy, you have this this empire who's clearly a, a fascist dictatorship, and uh, you know at that point you don't get to ask yourself the question, how did these people come into power? You just know that is you know what what is, uh, and then you just have these freedom fighters who are, are trying to you know overthrow that and bring some you know freedom and you know peace and justice back to the galaxy. But you don't get to to really dig into how how the hell do you get into that? How do you, you know, how does one let such a dictatorship, you know, take root? And, uh, you know, George Lucas always wanted to tell that story. Um, you know, he he started with four, five, and six. I mean, he really just started with four, didn't know there was going to be a five or six. But he always wanted to get back to one, two, and three and talk about how Vader became Vader. But also, you know, how was this empire allowed to be formed? Um, you know, you, you don't just one day become a fascist dictatorship. Um, there, there has to be things that happen along the way. People love to throw around the word fascism these days. E- everything's fascist. Uh, you know, if you don't like it, it's fascist. Uh, if you don't like someone, they're a Nazi, right? Uh, but you know, people don't understand how these things were able. To, how was 
you know, Hitler able to control an entire country with his rhetoric. And, you know, and George Lucas always wanted to explore that. And a key part of that was the Jedi Order. You know, Obi-Wan in episode four talks about for over a thousand generations, you know, the, the Jedi Knights were the guardians of peace and injustice, you know, in the galaxy. So how could a group like that be somehow involved in bringing about uh, this this empire, this evil empire? And, uh, you know, you don't have to sell me to ever come on and, and, and talk about stars. But when you told me the idea tonight uh, about, you know, where the Jedi too close to the Republic, um, you know, and what is their role? I, you know, I was ready to jump all over it, of course. So, yeah, plenty of examples that we're going to be talking about in the in the prequel trilogy, especially. Absolutely. Um, specifically, you know, there's a there's a question I have with the Jedi is, you know, what are they really? subservient to are they subservient to the will of the force or are they subservient to the will of a political body um and can those two things intersect and coexist um and that's that's the real question of the prequels i mean you, you have these essentially warrior monks who you know spend let's just call it half of their time devoted to understanding this metaphysical entity um and the other half of their time basically being uh, what you might be the equivalent of like a, uh, a NATO peacekeeping mission, right? They have uh, broad jurisdiction to go to many different places and um, carry out the will of this uh, political body. Um, and I, I've always found that incredibly interesting for George to explore that within the prequels. Cause I mean, he could have very simply told the, uh, the, just the basic story of Vader. He could have kept to that. But he made a decision consciously to kind of expand that out and to have all these other tendrils connecting to that story. Um, yeah, so it becomes a very interesting exercise in thought and trying to figure out, was this ultimately what the Jedi should have been doing in the first place? Well, I think the, the short answer to your question, and it's a, it's, a, it's a short line, it's a quick line, but it's often overlooked. And that's at the end of Revenge of the Sith, where Obi-Wan says, my allegiance is to the Republic, to democracy. Right. Mm -hmm. This is coming from a Jedi master, and mm -hmm. he's saying exactly where his allegiance is to the Republic. Mm -hmm. Nothing about, the, as you said, nothing about the will of the Force. Uh, but uh, you know, you know, you have Anakin over here now, Vader. You know, talking about his new empire, and you have, you know, Obi Wan over there talking about his allegiance being to the Republic. So nothing about the will of the Force at all. So, you know, that's and, and no one ever talks about that line really. So that, I'm glad we're getting into it tonight. Yeah, you know, that's a, that's really really interesting. I never really thought of that, Brad. Uh, again, you know, just going back to you know, it's just amazing how much Star Wars really surprises me. And when when we sit down here in front of the microphone, we we start to pick it apart and just other things that uh, that just reveal themselves to to us. And and uh, that's a great point, Brad. I, I've never really thought of that. So, you know, the other thing too that kind of uh, gets a lot of attention is uh is uh, you know that line that you just mentioned about uh, for over a thousand generations the jedi were peace you know the, uh so the, it's the jedi the jedi weren't flawed or at least weren't perceived to be flawed for a really really long time i think you know uh, brad we we talked about this before it seems like um you know now people are starting to see some of the failings of the jedi and uh that line says it perfectly 
Um, and I'm wondering, too, how, and I know we've got some brand new Star Wars coming up in the form of uh, books and things like that with uh, Project Luminous and uh, the, uh, the High Republic. I'm wondering how much they're going to go into, I guess, the, the, the machinations of the political structure within that era of, of Star Wars. Do you, are, are, are you guys hearing any... You know any traffic on on the internet regarding that, or do, we don't even know anything yet, do we? Um, explicitly no, but you'd have to assume because they're they're calling it the High Republic era. Um, that I mean, we're going to see a very uh, ingrained Jedi Order into the fabric of the, fabric of the Republic. But the question is, you know, it's two hundred years before uh, the Phantom Menace. That means it's 200 years prior to the already in-process um, degradation of the Republic by the time we get to Phantom Menace. You know, by the time we get to Phantom Menace, Sidious has been moving behind the scenes. Um, you know, if you want to consider Plagueis canon, it goes back even further than that. And they've been slowly chipping away at you know, the functionality of the Republic. So 200 years prior, you'd have to assume that it should be functioning better honestly, than it was at the time of the Phantom Menace. So maybe with a properly functioning system, maybe the Jedi aren't as um, susceptible to, to the, the offshoots of that kind of degradation, if that makes any sense. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, and, and I think they have to, and I want, I want you know, Brad to be able to weigh in on this as well, but I think they have to because when Disney came in and, and you know, scrapped all of the, uh, you know, the Legends material the expanded universe stuff that we had, um, they they got rid of a lot of these things that we're talking about. If um, if you read uh, Dark Horse, the Dark Horse comics uh, back in the '90s, especially, and then around the turn of the century, um, they they talked about these issues. They talked about what happened 4,000 and 5,000 um, years before what we saw in the original trilogy, and they actually explored these ideas of the Jedi being so closely connected uh, with Republic. Uh, and then Disney came in and made that all legends. So I think they definitely have to revisit this, uh, you know, that concept uh, in the High Republic. And uh, just so everybody knows, you know, we talked on a previous episode about uh, High Republic, you know, while we're on the subject. Um, and is High Republic taking the place of the Old Republic in the Star Wars vernacular? And I was able to, um, you know, ask Kevin Scott, who's uh, one of the biggest uh, writers for, for the High Republic, I was able to ask him, uh, is High Republic uh, replacing Old Republic? And he came back with a definite, no, it's not. Uh, these are different. Uh, all they are are different eras uh, in, in the Star Wars timeline. So we're looking at the Old Republic being, you know, a thousand years or greater before the original trilogy. And then the High Republic being after that. So he said it was, uh, you know, separate and distinct from the Old Republic. So you will still have the Old Republic. Uh, to refer to as well as the High Republic. Sweet, sweet deal. Um, you know, I, I I think it's interesting in the sense that like one one thing I'm kind of hoping to see from the High Republic is you know nothing explicit in terms of like it has to be the subject material of a book, but if you have just a a quick little aside in one of the books that hints at you know some of the stuff going on behind the scenes being a Sith Lord. You know, because I mean, the Sith grand plan had been in had been in motion since uh, I mean, Darth Bane, unless I'm mistaken. Uh, so if you get like just a few hints that there's a Sith Lord in the background kind of pulling some strings, that I think would be really cool just to kind of, 
you know, put the exclamation point on the fact that like we're starting to see the the things that will affect the, the Phantom Menace, you know, even though it's 200 years prior. And I'm wondering if they're, you know, if they're going to go there, if they're going to start to introduce that. And I think, uh, you know, they uh, Disney doesn't know. It seems like Disney doesn't know what to do with movies next. And I'm hoping that uh, this literary project, these liter- these these books and novels and things like that, will set the stage and will start to world build uh, the era of that High Republic in order to possibly, hopefully, you know, uh, flesh it out in in a new trilogy uh, for us in the future. I think that would be a fantastic thing, and I hope. I hope that's what they're doing. Um, yeah, uh, Brad, um, uh, Force Loser Brad, I want to ask you, so uh, we'll start with you. How do you guys feel about how the Jedi were positioned within that power structure? Do you guys think that's a, that was a kind of a smart move? And we talked a little bit about, uh, I, I guess we will talk a little bit about, you know, the whole notion of, of our world's uh, separation of church and state, but it's... Uh, it's it's a very good you know uh, analogy there um, when it comes to understanding that power structure. But uh, Brad, what what do you think? Um, honestly, I mean that's it's it's kind of weird to think about because I mean hindsight is twenty twenty, right? So you've got all of us who you know know what what becomes of things, so you, we can kind of look back. Honestly, I feel like. The, the the structure that they had placed there with the Jedi and installed and everything, I feel like that was, I mean, it had to have been a mistake because it all went wrong. Uh, machinations or not, but, you know, you, you uh, Brad mentioned uh, all the legends and everything, and, and, you know, if you go back, there's, you know, thousands and thousands and thousands of years of Jedi being a part of this Republic and being integrated into it, and it usually went a little south. Um so, I mean, I don't think it's necessarily a good idea. I feel like the Jedi work their best when they are separate from the Republic as peacekeepers and mediaries rather than generals in wartime or anything. Yeah, I mean, I, I tend to agree uh, with, with Brad's assessment there because, and this, this kind of makes me think about, you know, the, the line that Brad mentioned with Obi-Wan saying his allegiance was to democracy, to the Republic, um, it's, you know, Jedi are not possessed, should not be possessive of the force, right? They're not possessive of it. It's not something that they control. It's something that they are connected to. Um, but when they become the functioning arm of that political body, they are then using the force to those purposes. They are using the force to either influence, uh, negotiations, defend themselves in the middle of conflicts, using power to sway the outcome of conflicts generally to the Republic's benefit. Um, it, it's a it's a bit of vanity that maybe Luke was talking about in The Last Jedi, um, that they become so possessive of this power that they used it to, in, to, used it to the ends of the Republic. Um, and I think that ultimately, you know, we talk about the Jedi not really being able to use the Force towards the revenge towards revenge of the, to the uh, towards sorry revenge of the Sith not being able to sense what's coming, you know maybe maybe that's something to do with it. Their their connection to it was not pure because they were using it towards these ends. While we're on you know I mean I guess we're going to be on separation of church and state the entire time. Yeah. Uh, but you know specifically you know the the reason for that separation is this is a two way street right so. You want to protect the the religions from the state, 
right? But this is actually a two-way street. You want to protect the states from the religions. And what I mean by that is, uh, you know, what Brad mentioned about these thousands of years of conflict, uh, right? The, the conflict between the Sith and the Jedi goes back millennia. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, whether you believe in, you know, the legends or just what's, even in Canada, it, it, it mentions it, you know. So if the Jedi were separated from the Republic, it, you know, if there's just this conflict between the Jedi and the Sith, and they duke it out all the time. You're talking about right. Each um, you know, each order probably had in the realm of thousands or tens of thousands, maybe uh, of people, right? So you're looking at a casualties of tens of thousands, maybe, between these two orders. But when you attach those religious groups to their respective governments, now those conflicts of tens of thousands become millions, billions in the Star Wars universe, uh, possibly even trillions of people. So this, you know, this, you know, you know, Luke talking about ending the Jedi and as critical as I am of the Last Jedi, he makes good points in there about wanting to end the Jedi. And uh, you know, Kevin mentioned it about you know not possessing, you know, having uh, custody of the Force, and and he's right because every time the Jedi would get into it with the Sith, they would bring the entire Republic uh, along with them. And how many innocent civilians? Uh, and military members died because of these conflicts. So it's, you know, you got to look at it from that perspective as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you bring up some really good points. I mean, we go to the to the separation of church and state. Um, you know, I myself am a secular person. So we talk about the separation of church and state. I'm, I myself am a secular person. Um, so with the, with the the Jedi being so ingrained with the Republic and being, we'll call it a religious order, right? It's it's pretty apt description. Um, you know, Brad brings up the perfect point of when they get into conflict, these large scale conflicts. There's large scale casualties. You know, it's what do you expect when these two titans kind of go to war with each other? Um, I mean, so it's that's a cautionary aspect of it, right? The, that there should be a, a separation between those entities. You know, and I thought uh, Star Wars was just about spaceships and space wizards. What's going on here? I have to admit that without the clones, it would not have been a victory. Victory? Victory, you say? Master Obi-Wan, not victory. The Shroud of the Dark Side has fallen. Begun. The Clone War has. Those are some very intriguing points, uh, you know, regarding uh, the Jedi, and um, I definitely would categorize them as kind of a religious sect. We we have, uh, you know, the mysticism of the Force, and uh, I know, um, you know, it's it's ever evolving, and I'm hoping that uh, you know Star Wars in the future will will uh, help us create some more myth uh, based on what George Lucas has set up. I know uh, a lot of people. Um, you know, are, are hopefully looking forward to that, especially uh, with uh, tomorrow's release of The Mandalorian. We've got uh, season two of The Mandalorian. Everybody's excited. We've got uh, the child doing the uh, magic hand thing. And uh, it's just, 
it's it's going to be phenomenal and and uh you know hopefully tomorrow we'll be able to see you know at least in the first episode we'll 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 have some clues about what's going on with that but uh uh i wanted to get to uh our you know we put this out there on twitter and i wanted to get to some of the um uh some of our followers that uh are excited about this episode and uh talk a little bit about their comments um Brad, uh, what, what do you got? Who's who's first up on the on the roster yeah, here? The, uh, the first one I want to talk about personally. Uh, she's on there as a Rogue uh, on Twitter at Lesbian Trilla. Uh, that's the uh, Twitter handle. Are they called these days? Uh, and she says uh, there's a difference between being near politics and having political influence. The Jedi lacked the former. And in the Clone Wars, we see them stonewalled by politicians constantly. They were beholden to the Senate, but the senators rarely took their advice into consideration. And, uh, you know, I think that's an, an amazing point. And, and it kind of, uh, you know, brings up the, the first example uh, I was going to specifically give from the movies. We see it a little bit in, in The Phantom Menace where they kind of farm out some work to the Jedi, um, you know, at working as ambassadors. Um, you know, for the for the chancellor, but you really see them um, how interwoven it is in Attack of the Clones, and you see it right from the uh, basically the first scene in the chancellor's uh, office uh, after the assassination attempt of of Padme. You see the Jedi meeting with uh, Chancellor Palpatine uh, right there, and uh, you know, you know, Rose correct in the statement they're talking about. Uh, basically, is the Republic going to collapse because these systems want to uh, succeed from the from the Republic? And he's he sort of asked the Jedi for their advice. Uh, you know, Mason and Yoda are, are both there, uh, but then he immediately goes against what they say, and he says, "Well, I'm not going to allow that. We're, you know, we're, I'm not going to allow this to, um, you know, this." This republic, which has stood for over a thousand years, be you know broken up. So he, he's got the Jedi there pretending to get their advice, but you know immediately uh, he says, you know, he, he countermands what they say and says, you know, we're going to have this military creation act, and that's what the whole, you know, that's why Padme was there uh, was for this this vote on the military creation act. Um, you know, so there's a there's a lot of historical references there. When we talk about Star Wars, a lot of times we'll talk about either Vietnam or World War II. Um, but here, you know, we have the beginnings of uh, our own civil war uh, where, you know, some southern states want to succeed and, uh, you know, the the president didn't want to have it. And, and you know, everything kind of spiraled down from there and, and what ended up happening with the civil war. So there's historical reference there. And, but immediately he got... Um, the kind of forced buy-in from the Jedi to be part of this conflict. Mace doesn't like put his foot down and say, no, we're not doing that. He just gives him a little cautionary, hey, there's not enough of us to be soldiers. Um, and that's why the, gen- uh, the Jedi become generals instead of just foot soldiers, because he says there's not enough of them. And that's how he ends up putting the Jedi on top of, of these military forces. Um, so, yeah, I, I think she's right. They, you know, they... It wasn't a two-way street with the Republic, at least at this point in time. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's the, the the question that keeps coming to my mind in this situation when they're talking about the disillusion, the disillusionment of the or the 
not disillusionment, I'm sorry, uh, the Republic basically dissolving. You know, the question that keeps coming to my mind, if I was to take a Jedi's perspective, is what's the Force's stake in this? You know, how does this, how is this the will of the Force or is this our will, right? And maybe at that point with the, the Jedi being so embroiled into Republic affairs, at that point, can they discern the two things? You know, is this the will of the force or is this our will? Are those two things discernible at that point? That's the one question that keeps coming to my mind in that in that scenario. Yeah, that is fascinating because, you know, in the real world, we've got, you know, we almost have sayings like, what would Jesus do? And, you know, what is it the will of the force or, uh, you know, we've got we've got, you know, the the this this will that, uh, you know, this is deep. But, you know, are we in control of ourselves or is there a higher power that's kind of running things? Um, so it's, you know, when it comes to to the Jedi, I mean, who knows? I mean, that's really, really some interesting questions. Yeah, and that's kind of the thing. Like, I, I don't even know if they know at this point. You know, I mean, I'm sure their their interest is entirely ethical. Like, they do want to probably prevent bloodshed, and they probably do want to prevent, um, you know, a major cataclysm. But at the end of the day, they didn't. And right. at the end of the day, they did uh, step into the role of general and let and commanded forces in battle. You know, at the end of the day, that's what they did. And I know they fought that a little bit. Because you know they're saying you know we we uh, we can know we can only what did what was that line that uh, May said to uh, the chancellor we we can't fight a war for you um, but you know they ended up they did yeah, they're protectors they're not you know they're not warriors or right. not soldiers but you know I think they you don't hear much discussion at least I'm trying to think of some examples from from the prequels where they are actively discussing you know is this the will of the force. Um, a little bit near the end of Revenge of the Sith, I think when they realized they fully screwed up at that point. Um, but I think what they did was they tried to, or they tried to convince themselves that, you know, as people do in, in, in real life, um, that everybody in the uh, government is actually looking out for the, the best will or the, uh, you know, for, for their constituents, uh, for the, you know, the, the population of the galaxy and so they convinced themselves that if they supported the republic and the republic was a good thing then i guess somehow they were supporting the will of the force which of course is completely wrong in, in every single way you know and they should have known better that would have been willful ignorance at that point i think yeah and i think i think that is I mean, honestly, I think that's a general consensus. I think the general consensus, even among fans, is that, you know, this was a misstep for the Jedi to become this deeply embroiled in, in those kind of affairs. Um, you know, the the real point of contention, I think, comes from, like, trying to paint the Jedi as um, uh, less than upright or, or uh, maybe even painting them in a very negative light throughout the prequels. When I think it's a little more complex than that, it's not so black and white. Um, you know, it is a complex scenario. You know, are the Jedi bad in the prequels? No. Are did they make mistakes? Oh yeah, oh yeah, that's for sure. And that brings up another point. Uh, before we end this part one of our Red Five uh, missions, um, uh, one of our patrons, our good friend uh, Amanda, 
Jedi Caligula talks a little bit about that. She says, honestly, I think the Jedi should have had more political power to a degree. They tend to look at the galaxy differently, and I think they have more of a connection to all life rather than politicians who mostly look at their political donors. And, you know, we talk about mistakes, the, the mistakes that Jedi made. And Brad, uh, you know, you just came up with that line that Obi-Wan says that uh, he's there for democracy and the Republic. Um, you know, where, where are they crossing into that gray? Um, I had that notion of, uh, you know, uh, monks, um, you know, Buddhist monks in touch with themselves and the nature and all that stuff and how society really, you know, looks down on them as being outsiders where, you know, as you think more and more of it, perhaps we need more of that type of thinking and less of what we're used to. Um, but I don't know if the Jedi should have had more uh, powers if, uh, if they weren't willing or able to change their ideology. Um, you know, a, a great man once said, with great power comes great responsibility. So I, I don't know. I see where Amanda is going with this. And he, I like the spirit of, of what she's saying. But at sure, the same yeah. time, based off of, you know, what we've seen in, in, in our universe, it's it's just, it's too dangerous. Um, you know, if you, if you, if the religious uh, figures have more influence on the political system, you get what we had a few hundred years ago, which was the Crusades, uh, which uh, I, I would argue never ended. Um, you know, some people think, think it suddenly ended a few hundred years ago. I don't think it ever did. If you look at the state of uh, foreign affairs right now and, uh, you know, what's going on in the Middle East to, to this day, yeah, I would make the argument that never actually ended. Um, but you, you had, you know, you know, ever ever since the Holy Roman Empire and everything after that, uh, you had they they were so close together you couldn't you know discern the two as we see uh, in the Jedi and uh, the Republic, um, and you know that that was all the decision making. Uh, I so I would love to agree, but um, and, and I agree what she's saying about politicians and and uh, trying to get reelected and, and their donors. Um, but I personally don't think, I think their place is, you know, like, you know, the Dalai Lama uh, will, will chime in from time to time, you know, with, and he may sort of uh, talk, you know, uh, reference uh, a world leader. Uh, the Pope will do the same thing. Uh, they, they can do this via Twitter now, and they, and they do. They'll, they'll kind of weigh in on things, but they don't have, uh, for the most part, uh, direct influence on the decision-making process. And I think personally that would have been the better place for the Jedi to have a voice, but not to have a direct connection with the Republic. Yeah, I mean, I agree with her statement that they probably should have had more power, but I would have, I would add on to that more power to act independently. Um, you know, or maybe and when it comes to representation, maybe they would have been more, they would have been better served having representation in the Senate and not being a functioning arm of it you know maybe that's just the the thought that comes into my head
Well, it's all fascinating stuff, and obviously, I think uh, even in this uh, 40 plus minutes, we've only scratched the surface, but uh, that's what a part two is for, don't you think? Uh huh. Uh huh. <laughs> that's right. So, uh, yeah, so guys, thank you very much uh, for joining us here on the Scare Scuttlebutt podcast, the initial, the uh, our, our premiere uh, series of uh, the Red Five missions from the Red Five Network. Um, we're going to keep going, though, because this is a topic that, uh, you know, we can't cover in just uh, half an hour. So um, join us, everybody. Uh, uh, follow the Red 5 Network. Check out the amazing podcast that we have on that website. And, uh, of course, our friends, Force Losers, uh, Brad and Kevin, um, we're going to continue this discussion in part two uh, that uh, will be released uh, soon after we record, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, man. <laughs> but uh, it, it's a fantastic topic, and uh, I don't know what else we can say. But uh, like I said, we've only scratched the surface. Um, let's uh, let's keep this discussion going. But uh, Brad, any uh, final thoughts on part one? Oh, it's been a great discussion so far, and I can't wait to get into even more details. We are with the Forest Losers, and that is the scuttlebutt. Greetings, listener. Just a reminder that the podcast you just heard is a proud member of the Red 5 Network family. Red5Network.com offers you a great variety of shows you'll be sure to love. So the next time you're itching for quality content, make sure you head over to Red5Network.com. You'll find this podcast along with a whole lot more. All wings report in. It's the Red 5 Network. <laughs>